going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here today to discuss the win that was this past Saturday. Another crazy victory. We thought that uh, the game prior was crazy. This one had its own sort of craziness. And now we're on a three-game winning streak. We have a lot to discuss. Some interviews around the Valley because there's been a couple games now. Some that just ended up yesterday. A lot to discuss. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, it's nice to be on this three-game winning streak now, getting hot at the right time. Uh, like we said, kind of beating teams we're supposed to. The Bradley one was huge, and we got a couple big ones coming up starting tomorrow. What's going on? Yeah, here we are. Um, uh, Brian Mullen's been preaching all year. This is when we want to start playing our best basketball. And uh, we've talked about all year, can we build some momentum? And uh, we're starting to do that here with a win streak. And now tomorrow night was senior night, a big day, and uh, honoring honoring another player that's been with this program for a little bit, um, what he's been through, and it's uh, good to be back on here. Let's get it going. Yeah, it was good to hear Brian talk about Saku, and we'll get to what he said about him. He has been through a lot, and obviously Anthony and Cash. Anthony's been here a couple of years, and he's meant a lot, and we've talked about uh, obviously the hardship he's been through this season. And then obviously the impact cash has had, it is a big night tomorrow. We're looking forward to it. Yes. And obviously there was some big milestones hit on Saturday. We knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. I think the ESPN broadcast actually had Lance's number, like a two, two or one point off. And he finally hit it. And we know Cooper nice was uh, over close to his and he got it as well. So three of them got it. It was really cool to see Marcus and Lance, get that together and we've discussed how if Marcus didn't miss last season man he'd be at like 1200 or 1300 points right now it feels like and I had the list here that we've because I said 48th and 49th in which they are uh let's dive into this first before we get into the game though uh we know Charlie Vaughn in his three or four years and 85 games put up over 2000 Kent Williams did as well we remember Anthony Beans those are the top three and uh, if you have it on you as well, Noah, we know Marcus and Lance have passed guys like Shiz Lloyd. We know he barely got the 1,000. He got 1,001. Uh, it's crazy seeing some guys on here. Paul Lust, we know Tony Young, even Shane Hawkins at 17. A lot of these stick out. Uh, this, is, this is always fun to look at, Noah, to see the, the total some of these guys have. Some of them are astounding. Some of them are shocking. What sticks out to you in all this? It's cool to see them on here. Yeah, it's crazy to see uh, Desmar Jackson, the little time he was here from Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, we remember those uh, rough days, rough patch of days we went through in those years. Um, but, yeah, seeing some of the local guys that came here from back in the day, you got the Greg Sterics, um, you got the Dick Garrett's of the world. But, uh, yeah, it's cool to see, um, even seeing the coach we played for in Shane Hawkins, we know, um, he was a three-point specialist, and um, I'd say all about maybe 1,300 of those are from the three. Yeah, and we remember, we recall the crazy game he had, what, against Syracuse in the tournament way back then, and every time, because he's kind of a jokester, every time he'd tell us about him, we almost didn't believe him. We couldn't find any uh, proof for the longest time, but we do have it now. So, yeah, that's what he did best. And seeing some of these guys we know, three three jerseys hanging in the rafters, it'd be great to see some of these other guys that we know deserve it as well. Uh, Manoa, that gets me thinking, obviously, they're 48th and 49th. They passed a lot of the guys. They're now 44th and 45th. 
and they have Moose Garrett in the 70s, 995. And we're thinking of if or when the 50th will happen. We're thinking about obviously the team we have, who we can have in the future to do this. No, we might not see that for a long time, maybe. Yeah, you would think uh, there's a guy that's redshirting who's uh, supposed to be a lethal scorer and what he was in high school and Foster Wonders. Um, you wonder if that could be the next guy. Um, or, you know, we have Cade Cunningham, which uh, we know what he's going to bring to the table. Hornecker, Not, you say Cunningham. Oh, what are the I said Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, yeah, I Cor- wish. Cade Hornecker. Uh, we know he's not a lethal score. He doesn't score a lot in uh, high school, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it could be him. But I'd say Foster Wonders could be the guy. Yeah, with his shooting, one hundred percent, Cade. If he can impact the way we want him to, we had a uh, a uh, the maybe uh, someone he should look at and model his game after. We mentioned Ben Crick, he would be perfect. So we have a lot of Cade. And we'll get in more to him as time goes on, obviously, when this season's over and a look ahead. But him, for sure, just interesting because we know Marcus and Lance right away were the go-to guys and they were going to hit it. We're struggling finding that young guy now, but over time, hopefully we can. So, yeah, a lot of these do – even Troy Hudson in one season or two seasons, 55 games, 1,100 points. A lot of these are crazy. It's cool seeing this list and obviously some of the greats that we knew over the last however many years. So – yeah, so that was the biggest thing, hitting the milestone on this day. Even it's cool seeing the dog pound have the numbers and the last names up there. It gave the players more momentum. Marcus was in the doghouse. We'll cover that. And even, you know, we just saw this one. Marcus Belcher, we know a great point guard in the early 2000s. Uh, that just posted. We'll discuss that as well. But, no, let's jump into this game. Like we said, uh, going into Indiana State's always tough. We know the team that they are. They can beat anybody. They're versatile. Uh, one guy strictly beat us in the first half. We had to make adjustments, and we did on him, and we played really well in the second. Let's jump into how this game kicked off. Yeah, it was uh, not a not really a great start. Like, we're used to exactly what we've seen um, throughout the year, not starting well. Um, the Sycamores jumped out to a 5 nothing lead um, with uh, a layup by Simon Wilbar and a three by a guy we have to control in Cooper Nice, which uh, – he got going a little bit in this game, but, uh, yeah, it started out on our side. Uh, Dalton Banks missed a three, then uh, a jumper by Lance missed and Marcus. So uh, we weren't really hitting shots, but uh, Brian had to take a 30-second timeout with 17.42 to go, uh, and he drawed up a good play for Lance at the timeout to get us on the board 5-3. to three. Yeah, we've noticed Brian taking a lot of those timeouts early. We know it, it, it paid off in the Bradley game. We were down 11 nothing using those two and then using this one in this game, I think that's starting to work out for him. He knows, it seems like he can see the future and know, you know, how the game could play out to where he might not need it. So he's going to use it for his team now. And like I said, it has paid off and it did with that when you're right. Lance hitting that three, getting him going. He that he's got off to a quick start and getting that 1,000. But even seeing Dalton hit a three, you said he missed one earlier, but he made this one. They were letting him shoot and we tweeted about that. They were giving him room to shoot. And obviously he can make them. We know he's a not a strict corner shooter, but it seems like that's where his best shot is. Uh, but they were giving it to him, and he took advantage of it, as we agree that he probably should. Uh, but no, as soon as they took the lead on uh, six, seven to six, that was by Calix Stevens again. Unbelievable first half that he had. We couldn't stop him, and we were discussing because we did go small tons in this game, definitely in the second half. But uh, 
where we couldn't stop and we were questioning maybe going big again, but then, like I said, got it down the second half, but he had a heck of a game, didn't he? That, that kicked him off right there. Yeah, Calix Steven, he's a mismatch problem for a lot of guys in the league. Um, he's uh, small enough for giving big guys off the bounce problems, but he's big enough to give those bigger wings problems. He can um, bully them down low. And, uh, yeah, like that's uh, – we saw this in the first game, but he, he he's not a great three-point shooter. He can step out a little bit. I think he maybe hit one in this game. Um, yeah, but that got him going instantly. So, uh, um he gave us fits all first half. Hundred percent. We he wasn't. He is a mismatch timer. A lot of those. A lot of guys around the valley are, and he's one of those other quality. Right. He came with shirts and Cam Henry, who I was about to mention right there from the D two level and playing at a high level. Uh, so Cam got off the board or got on the board right after him. He had a uh, he had weird spurts. We know he's dealt with injuries and stuff, and we didn't play him the first time. Noah, he's a heck of a talent. Uh, but he got on the board, made it, we were down by three, and then Lance tied it again with a three at the 14-39. And then Marcus got some jumpers going here. Uh, him and Nice traded baskets there, but Marcus got in a groove early as well to try to get him towards the 1,000. It was good to see Marcus, and even the highlight they showed in remembering, uh, we, us both were, or we both were working, I was going to mention this too, trying to stream it, obviously, and listen to it. And from the highlights, I remember seeing Marcus was pump faking, getting guys in the air, taking one step for threes. But knowing that his mid-range game is coming along, and this is back-to-back games with over 20 points. Uh, this got him going, but this is definitely what we need at this point, building his confidence up with those shots. Yeah, we've talked about he's been uh... – throughout the year he's been a lot he's going into the post and trying to back guys down that um some some he shouldn't try to back down but if he has the mismatch go ahead but yeah we i've been uh mentioned in the last couple podcasts that uh, we know his floater got going a couple games against bradley at home um but his his great freshman year he had he was in the living in the mid-range and stepping out from three um and now this year it seems like he's strictly post but um we're starting to um, he's changing his game a little bit here down the stretch, and it's really helping us get going. Yeah, and I think that the more he's getting going himself, the fact that he is shooting and making his threes, we talked about that stretch where he was struggling. He wasn't really shooting, shooting a whole lot of threes. He was missing around the rim or doing whatever, but now that his threes getting going with it, it's making him – I mean, obviously, he's one of the best players in the Valley, and he's for sure playing like it. So him and Nice just traded baskets. Like I said, they traded jumpers, and they traded threes here. So a 14-14 game at 12-53. And that's what was great about this game. We'll get to more and how clutch some of our shots were in the second half. This was a fun game, but back and forth. It had Arch Madness feels to it with that back and forth. Um and, you know, the, it kind of had Arch Madness feel because of the neutral of crowds. I don't think – I think people said their crowd wasn't great. We know that they've renovated around that place. It's a cool place. But our crowd showed up pretty well, and that's what kind of gave it those vibes, the neutralness it almost seemed like having. Uh, but then Lance took the lead at 16-14. to 14, And then Stevens, who, again, was just on a roll, he tied it at 16. Kyler had a layup here. Noah, that was good. He backed in whoever it was for a layup. But again, he didn't see a whole lot of time. It seems like, no, the last couple games or week, it almost seems like, where he's played. I think Illinois State was the last breakout game of his. So hopefully we can see that tomorrow. Uh, But as soon as he scores, it seems like he gets taken out. We don't see him again. Like I said, we did go small ball on this one. Yeah, it's uh, him and JD are 
and Anthony has already became a non-factor, but our two bigs, if uh, they're limited minutes, uh, they give us what they give us and uh, they become non-factors because it's not a secret to anybody in this, in, in the league or any Saluki fan that our best lineup now is going small, whether that's even seeing Marcus Damask at the five sometimes, but um, Troy coming in and playing big time minutes and uh, we've seen him more at the five now. And he's a, uh, he did his best job on Calix Stevens. He gave him some fits at times, but uh, yeah, seeing Kyler, we know how good offensively he is. Uh, um, I've been questioning, maybe it's time he sees the starting lineup because uh, we we're slow. We're slow at getting games. It feels like um, if JD doesn't start games for us, getting a couple layups that we don't score for the first couple minutes. So yeah, it's interesting to see maybe um, Kyler slide into the starting lineup. I know that t- probably takes JD out of the equation completely almost because you want to go small for most of the game. But, yeah, Kyler getting a good basket. Um, we do know Calix uh, answered him there to, to keep their two-point lead, but uh, Lance got it tied right back up quickly. Yeah, thinking of – that's not a bad idea with Kyler going back to the lineup. We know he started the season doing that. And I think JD provides better matchups off the bench – we just think of now that Chris Knight's starting for Loyola, J.D. would be perfect for Chris Knight as an example. Uh, and, and you'll have that. But since J.D. did or had been good offensively to kick off games like we've been seeing, imagine that. But Kyler's, you know, Kyler doing that. But J.D., you know, somehow makes the ball go in when he's around the rim. But if you get Kyler consistently scoring in the first half and you don't have those rough starts to games, yeah, they could do something. I think that's where they're – having difficulties with the rotation and figuring things out outside of, you know, as the game goes on going small, but starting either, which one could be okay and scoring four to six and then coming out. But I think they should test it, but I think it's that late. They're just going to stick to their guns, especially on three game winning streak. You almost don't want to change anything in their eyes potentially, but uh, yeah, Stevens, again, he did match Kyler there. He had a heck, he had a defensive board and we wanted to say cash, and he missed a lot of shots in this one. He did get some offensive boards and he missed another jumper off that right before this huge second half we'll get to, but as soon as he missed Calix got a rebound and got and then scored on the other end quickly. Uh, and then there was a rough stretch, but it was 20 to 20 after Lance had a jumper. Uh, he was getting going 100%. It was really fun to watch him. He's like, he wanted that 1000 really, really quickly. Trying to think where that had been. I'm trying to think of. I, I remember seeing the play, and we've been going through this, and I'm missing of when they got the 1,000. Um, so if you see it at any point, cut me off. But uh, after Lance did that, Julian Larry had a three, but then Lance matched him right there. It had to have been way before this. Lance got it. So it, it had to be the. Uh, looking at it, it, had to be the. It says. I think it was good. a layup. It says good jumper in the paint at the seven, the tied up at 20. I think that had to be it because he hadn't scored at in a the, while at the oh, right. 703. Yeah, I think that's it. Is. I 100% believe it. Marcus isn't too far behind. We'll get to that one. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that was it. I think it was, I think Marcus's was also in the paint, but it says there was a jumper here to make it 25 23. Uh, Calix matched him, and then Cam Henry gave them the lead at 436. Uh, 
and then Kalix made a couple free throws. They're a really good free throw shooting team. A lot of people have been saying that, and that was the case outside of at the very end. We'll get to that as well. Uh, Dalton hit a huge jumper around in the paint, um, made that, and it was an AM one actually. I remember, yeah, he finished the AM one, cut it to one, and the niece had a jumper. I think it is right here. Yeah, at, at 146, 31 to 30. Uh, we were down by one. Marcus had a jumper. It was near the paint, and that's how he got his as well. So they both got it in the first half. Micah Thomas, no, we know. I think it's his birthday I just saw on Indiana State's thing. But uh, we know he's an impact freshman. Uh, he had stints in this game, a couple free throws, though, to make it a three-point game. And then Marcus had a layup. Stevens, a jumper. They went on a little run here. What was it? A uh, What was that? A, uh, five or seven or so run that they had at the end and a couple of free throws there, but and that's how it was. And like I said, no, good to see them hit the 1000, get it out of the way so they can focus on the game, getting the 1000 out of the way, but overall a decent half, maybe not the best finish, but overall decent. What's the box score say? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, both very efficient halves by both teams. I mean, they, um, we allowed them to shoot 58% in the first half from the field, uh, 43 from three. They were only three of seven. Uh, like you said, great, free throw shooting team they were four or four uh, we only got to the line once i was on the and one we made it so both teams shot 100 percent from the free throw line um not very many free throws in this game um but yeah we only had two turnovers that's what probably kept it at the low margin of five points they finished the half uh on that little spurt they had here but uh yeah big hash from marcus Damask and Lance Jones in the point total, 13 from Lance, five of nine shooting, uh, three of five from deep. It's good to see him shooting well from deep. Uh, Marcus had 11, five of 10. Uh, it's good to see them both getting nine or 10 shots a half. That's what we need, especially if anybody else isn't going, getting going. Um, yeah, cash, 0 for 2, 0 for 1. We got one three attempt. Um needs to be more jd didn't attempt anything uh troy and trent brown did not uh steven 0 for 4 0 for 3 from 3 he's still he's missing badly now his confidence um has as is it's gone like he needs to see one go in the basket at some point uh kyler two points in his limited minutes um so carried by in dalton dalton banks good first half I like the way he's starting to play in the starting lineup, six points, uh, two assists, um, but carried by our two stars in the first half. Yeah, and I, and I think that's how we need to roll the rest of the way. We need these contributions, but like I think at this point of the year, especially in, in Arch Madness, that if, these, if our two guys struggle, we won't win, barring contributions. And you mentioned Steven. I was going to mention that in the play-by-play -play there. Yeah, and you were watching it more than me at times before I watched at the very end of the game. I was listening to it, but yeah, Stephen, right, he was missing wide open shots, shots that he should make. You said they were kind of drawing a place for him at the top of the key, right, and he wasn't making, or he took, he, he passed up a, a good shot for a worse shot, it seems like. Uh, yeah, I think his confidence is kind of stymied a little bit, which is odd because we get, you know, we talk about him so much that we need him to shoot more. And it seems like, well, if he's shooting more, he's shooting so efficiently on the season that he's going to make him, right? And then this game was the total opposite of what we expect when he shoots that much. And we'll definitely get to what he continued to do in the second half. But, yeah, that's not a good sign. D 
Do you recall the one shot he had that wasn't a three that was close and they and probably just a regular jumper, but those threes were wide open. Yeah, I'm trying to think back here, but uh, I think it was just a missed jumper. Uh, one we're used to him making, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird because uh, you see guys go through rough patches, but uh, he usually he usually hits at least one a game, but um, he's in a rough patch now where he can't make anything. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We hope that over time in these last two games going into St. Louis that he improves in that. Uh, but yeah, JD, two minutes. I mean, he had a rebound and that, that's about it. I mean, you weren't going to get any other contributions outside of Kyler's too. And yeah, Dalton did play well. We'll get to some that Marcus mentioned about him and his in the doghouse. Uh, but even, I mean, Trent had two assists and a steal in, in his eight minutes. And we said other guys just had bigger second halves. Dalton and Marcus both had 18 minutes and let, allowing them to shoot 58%. We did end up letting them go on a run to make it a five point game, but they are rebounded us by seven. Uh, they got, we knew going in because the game against us at our place, they were just out hustling us at times before we pulled away at the end. But uh, there's that. And they outdid us in points in the paint. Thanks to Calix. So they out assisted us. They really were outdoing us in every facet of the game. We didn't think we were playing terrible, but they were playing just really well. And Brian talked about how our defense definitely had to step up. So what happened in the, to kick off the second half? Yeah, um, we did a decent job limited to be only five. Usually we're spotting teams uh, 10 or more points. So we kept, it was good to have it only at five, um, that little spurt they went on to. But, uh, yeah, a little slow start here for us again, starting the second half. Uh, Lance missed a three. Cash missed a three. We got an offensive board. Uh, Dalton missed the missed a jumper in the lane. Uh, but uh, Julian Larry got – got loose off that um, Dalton miss, uh, got a wide open dunk for that to make it seven. Uh, then Marcus got us going here a little bit. He got a jumper to cut it back to five. Uh, Calix Stevens with 16-27 that got to the line, makes two of those. So right there, they're still 100% for the game for them. Uh, and that jumped to a seven-point lead, back to a seven-point lead. Uh, but Lance got one with 15-44 cut it back to five and it was back and forth to a little bit until we started chipping away. Yeah. And I think when it got to that seven after those free throws, it was another bad foul by Steven that I'm not going to say it looked, looked bleak, but I think that's when I was either watching it or listening to it, obviously. And I was thinking, man, it's going to be tough to come back when they're, you know, off the rip playing, having a good second half. And I think also that fast break dunk by Julian, yeah, off that, uh, I think also kind of did it and it was tough to come back, but we'll get into some other clutch shots uh, that happened. But yeah, we did start to chip away. Lance did have that jumper, cut it to that five. Troy had a free throw or made a couple free throws. We can count on him for that at this point. We've discussed uh, a couple games ago, whatever game it was that Lance got at Evansville, I guess that Lance got taken out outside of foul trouble. I don't know if Troy was one of those on the court. It might have been Steven, but we had all good free throw shooters at the end. So that's kind of how we want to finish games. And we'll get to uh, Lance at the end of this again with his free throw shooting. But uh, Calix then was stretching the floor. No, he hit a three. Then it was six, 14, 27 mark. Marcus matched him a couple minutes later. A lot of teams were, both teams went cold for a while. So a three point game. And then Noah, here's where Cash got going. He had a three here and it just kicked off again. His, hot stretch of three-point shooting because so he did that 
it feels like this is when it started getting crazy because as soon as we were just both teams were just matching points which is almost like we didn't want this to happen obviously when we were playing from behind you never want to match teams you want to be able to get that stop but Cam Henry is just too talented we let him get a lot especially in the paint uh, but then as soon as that happened, Cash hit that jumper, and it was a one-point game. Then Bledson, we know he killed us last time, didn't do a whole lot of anything in this game, but we know he impacts the games in different ways when it's not scoring. Uh, he finished an and one, though. It was a foul by Dalton. And then Marcus, a free throw. Uh, and then Marcus had a layup here. One-point game at the 10-16 mark. Uh, and Steven kept missing shots throughout this. Remember Zach Hobbs, he had a couple bad fouls near the end, but he made a free throw. Uh, Cam Henry, a jumper, four-point game. No other than Cash hit this three here. So that's three threes from Cash, and they were all contested, all in his rhythm. Guys were finding him. Even I think on one of these, Troy had an offensive board and kicked it back out to him. That might have been down here at the end. But um, Cash exploded in the second half, and like I said, his his clutch shooting is exactly what we need. Yeah, he's uh, he's that third third fiddle that we're looking for. If one of our two stars can't get going, um, like Lance Jones here in the second half, uh, I think it was at the after a turnover by Marcus at 14 minutes left in the game in the second half, uh, Lance picked up his third foul and uh, we took him out, which I thought we should let him play, trust him to play with three fouls because uh, I thought uh, at that time we were down six and I didn't think uh, if we took Lance out that we could uh, control it, in which we weathered the storm till he got back in. But yeah, cash is exactly. Um, his his timely scoring, his timely threes, has been big for us since we got on, especially on this winning streak. Um, we've seen his threes all year, all year go in. Um, his his timely shooting's kind of ex- maybe what we probably expected Stephen to be uh, to hit big shots when we need it, but uh, Cash has stepped up, and uh, we now we can count on him to get his average. That's around around ten points a game now. Uh, him hitting big threes when Lance is on the bench is big time. I think his experience is finally coming to fruition too with the confidence to shoot those that he's been in opportunity, maybe in those spots before because we've been seeing it a lot lately. And he's just an elite shooter. We kind of had a feeling that he was – we knew he was just athletic when he came here and stuff and hoping he'd be a defender or a better defender than he's shown. Uh, his three-point shooting is just spectacular. I mean, that's – like you're right, and, and he's exactly what we expected Stephen to be, 100%. And we have a feeling the cash won't be missing the open shots that Stephen does. Um, but yeah, you're right. When it, when Lance came out, you almost like you're worried because he was a lot of our points there for a lot of the stretch of this game, and he was able to get his shots uh, a lot. He finished an and one even at this point or at some point here. Uh, but Cash had his four three though after Cooper Nice nailed one. Uh, to give them a two-point lead at the three-minute mark, and even Lance had one before that. But Cash had another one here, gave us back the lead at 242. And then, Noah, here's the big one. We're thinking, okay, we get a stop, and we did. We got a stop. Marcus missed an easy layup he should have had. They got it. Cam Henry missed a bad jumper on the other end. And then, oh, this led to one of the biggest plates of the year, arguably, Uh Troy having the confidence to shoot that corner three and get the and one and make and make it and and one and finish at the free throw line or he missed the free throw sorry but the fact that he's able to have that shot and he said after the game that he, did, he wasn't expecting to get the ball at all but no he made it like I said that was one of the biggest plays of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 
great to see uh, a freshman that has the confidence to be able to take that shot. And the Dalton Banks to find him when he's open because I believe it was um, with like six seconds left on the shot clock. I think Marcus was getting ready to set a pick for Dalton, uh, but Dalton seen Troy in the corner. Um, big time shot. Um, it's 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 it shows what kind of player he can be for us down the stretch. Um, we're going in that small lineup. Um, he's he's beating and banging down there with the bigs with Calix Stevens on the defensive end. Um, but um, this is a shot that he's comfortable taking and that we're comfortable allowing him. The team is allowing him um, because we've been on him about um, a couple games ago. He he missed he passed up some good looks where we think shoot the ball you're open and he takes a big one here and nails it um couldn't capitalize on the free throw um but a big time shot by Troy the freshman the freshman and yeah just the confidence to shoot that I don't even remember what the what the shot clock was at I I mean we we took a timeout that was before we had the whiff on the other offensive end before we came back uh but yeah, I think, and even hitting the corner threes, we've seen him hit corner threes like Dalton. Like, that's where a lot of these guys' spots are. It's just crazy. And I think, yeah, you're right. As soon as we talk about somebody struggling or something or not doing something, they always do it. Obviously, they don't listen to us. But uh, it's just funny because that's kind of the inconsistencies we've been talking about this year, that these guys can make these shots if they just shoot them. And that's how it's just gone this whole season, back and forth with a lot of – different players, but it does show how he can be that huge. He needs to finish the AM one, but we weren't complaining at that moment because uh, we were up by four, and then Noah uh, Cooper Nice made a couple free throws when Lance fouled him, uh, and then Noah uh, Lance had a huge shot here. This, this were – I'm trying to think when the, when it was here. Uh, whenever it was well, – Lance had this layup to make it a four-point game again. And then they took a timeout. They missed a shot and they fouled Cash. He made both of his. That's a six-point lead. We were thinking, okay, 15 seconds. We got this in the bag. And then Cooper Nice came down, get a jumper. And then uh, Cooper fouled Lance, right? He missed the free throw. And then he went down and then he fouled. At what point was it that, yeah, he fouled uh, Cooper Nice? It would look like it was almost an intentional foul. I don't know what the heck he was doing but he was trying to just have the steal and get it from behind and go off on a fast break, kind of playing hero ball a little bit. We can't afford it. You know what? He's had awful stretches at the end of games, free throws and fouls that Brian took him out immediately. Yeah. It was right after uh, he missed these two free throws. And uh, yeah, like you said, it almost, bad misses. It, it almost looked like it was intentional. And uh, the worst part was, is uh, he fouled out because of it. Luckily it was, yeah. we had the game in the bag where, we didn't have to go to overtime and play five more minutes without our, one of our best players. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it was a head scratcher. I had no idea what he was doing, uh, but we got lucky. I said it right then. Cooper Nice, uh, a good free throw shooter, missed the front end of a one-on-one. Uh, Cash gets the rebound again, and he, he knocks him down. He ices the game. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, they late, late in the game here, uh, I thought they needed – uh, take a shot at a three or so, but Cooper kept going for layups because we were giving it to him. And, uh, yeah, right. that's what, that's how it finishes. Cooper needs layup, 76-72. I thought they could have went for some threes here. But, uh, yeah, Cash seals the deal with his free throws. Uh, um, big time. He's he's become our, probably our most reliant free throw shooter. We know 
I think in this game that uh, Marcus ended his streak that he had created. What was it, uh, like 19 or so? So that ended today. But Cash, I wonder what his is at because I feel like he's our most consistent free throw shooter here. And uh, he ices the game. So we win 76-72, big road win. Yeah, and even (laughs) – it's like – I don't know how you can just get a – and granted, maybe if you look at the score or the final box score, it's like, well, we didn't lose by eight we only, or six. We only lost by four if I get this shot, and we were giving it to him. It's like, man, you need threes. But I guess it was too late. It'd be funny if he was needing a 1,000 for that layup and he took it selfishly. But, uh, yeah, Cash, not only his clutch, and that's what we were going to get to at the by the end of this, was the clutch three-point shooting – and the clutch free throw shooting. Yeah, Lance's had, Lance had terrible misses, and then that foul. I did foul him out. Yes, took him out. Thank God. Because it seemed like no one will get to. I'll just say it right now. We talked whenever it was you brought it up. It's like, what if our season in Arch Madness comes down to having to rely on Lance Jones free throw shooting or Steven making a wide open shot from what bad things we've seen lately? But uh, that'd be funny, and that'd be the biggest stress of them all. Uh, Guessing by God, and we know Lance has been a clutch free throw shooter at times. It's like obviously not now. And Lance is a big mental player, you know. Obviously, if he's not playing well, he motivates himself. We've mentioned it multiple times, but it's it's, it's crazy seeing the inconsistencies that he can have at that. But seeing Cash nail those nail those free throws to ice it was definitely nice to have this four point victory. Uh, and like we said, it was it was a, it was a fun game. So back and forth. That's what made it fun. That's what separated from Bradley. Bradley was the game of runs, and then this game was what it was. Like I said, it kind of had the arch madness feel to it. Uh, so what's the final? What's the final box score look like? Yeah, well, if you look at it, we shot forty five percent from the field. Uh, we hit we hit twelve threes in this game. That's big time. That's what it got us uh, got us back in this game. Uh, seven of 14 from three in the second half for 50%, 43 for the game, 12 of 28, uh, 10 of 15 from the line. That's 67%. Um, looking at their box score, um, we played decent defense. We caused 13 turnovers, but, uh, they still shot really well. 53% from the field, 50 from three, uh, 86 from the line, 12 of 14. Uh, two of those are down the stretch. Uh, one at the end by Cooper Nice. Um, but yeah, we did. We protected the ball very well. Only six turnovers in this game for us. Um, that's been around 10 or 11 a game. It feels like what we're averaging. Um, but a very efficient, efficient shooting game by both teams. But um, we were able to um, catch us threes and free throws. Uh, Got us the victory, big plays by him, and obviously the Troy three. Um, but jumping into a box score, uh, leading score was Lance Jones, 10 of 18, 4 of 8 from 3, 0 of 2 from the line. You got to fix that. But he had four rebounds, did foul out in this game, uh, but big time by Lance Jones. Yeah, and even he didn't have any steals on this one. Five other of his teammates did. They all had one. Uh so I, we, we'll get to, again, of some things that maybe hurt some awards for some players in the Valley. Uh, seemed like Lance always gets a steal in a game that it would help his whatever to give him a chance, a defensive player of the year. We'll jump into that. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy how these games can play out because if they shoot that well, 
I mean, we had nine more shots than they did, and we made the same amount. So it's like, you know, they had seven more turnovers than we did, and that leads into us getting those extra shots because we had 18 points off those uh, 13 turnovers. So uh, it's crazy. And our three-pointers, obviously, we had, we made we doubled their amounts, and we shot 28 of them, which is insane. Uh, but, yeah, we did shoot 43% from there is pretty good as a team. Uh it's just weird how we can shoot bad from inside the arc for 45% as a team, which that's not too bad either. But uh, so I guess you live with it, but that is crazy how those how games like that can play out getting nine more shots and only winning by four and they shoot a lot better, but that is how this beautiful game works a lot of the time, but they did out rebound us by six. It's crazy how we can out rebound the teams of Bradley and stuff, but literally arguably outside of maybe Evansville, the shortest team in the Valley, Indiana state, uh, can out rebound us. Well, like I said, they're feisty for a lot of those. Had one more assist than they did. Uh, they had more bench points than us. And that was Bledson. That was Hobbs. That was, uh, we know uh, a couple other guys got going for them. Only, uh, what, nine for us. And seven of them were from Troy. So uh, it was a big game. It was an overall contribution when it, when it mattered most. And like I said, this was a fun game. It had everything to it. Uh, and they had 10 more points in the paint than us. Like we said, we kind of shut Kalik Stevens down. Do you have their box score on you at all? What did those guys end up doing? We never talk about the visiting team's box score, but just some things that stick out because it was a drastic change from his first half to second half. Yeah, he ended up with 21 points. Um, uh, we did a very good, uh, I guess, switching to that smaller lineup um, really shut him down. We were able to contain him in the second half. Uh, Cooper Neese, who we did not um, forget what he had at in Carbondale, but we shut him down in Carbondale. We know they did not have Cam Henry in that game, but 19 for Cooper, so he continues his great stretch here. Uh, and 10 apiece from Cameron Henry and Xavier Bletson. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty solid box score. Uh, I, I think at the, uh, the game at home, against the trees. Uh, Simon Wobar um, kind of killed us. He stretched the floor, hit a couple threes against us, uh, barely played in this game, 12 minutes, only two points. So um, that that factors in because uh, JD, JD, who played two minutes in the first half, played four in the second half. Kyler played all his minutes in the first half with five. And Trent Brown, only eight, eight first half minutes, did not see him uh, in the second half. Yeah, and you talk about them. Well, for one thing, we were Mike reset on the radio that Micah Thomas wasn't going to play, and he did and had four points. That could have been crucial, obviously, if he didn't play, for example, but they only had a three-man bench. They've kind of been rolling with that all season. Bledson had the quietest 10 points I've ever seen. Obviously, going through the uh, the play-by-play, we could have seen that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Cam Henry, if he's not scoring, though, 10 on 11 shots, but by – I mean, geez, he's rebounding. He had 11 with five assists. We know the all-around player that he is. And Wilbar started with Stevens. It's like, well, that's 6'11 with 6'7. Maybe that's why Stevens was able to go off because – you know, Wilbar does stretch the floor, yeah, and overall, you know, that brings J.D. away from the court a little bit, depending upon how certain possessions played out. But they will be a dangerous team. You know, obviously, if they get fully healthy and get a couple guys, so we talk about them in Valpo being able to make those runs if they both win their respective games. And if we know Evansville's 10, Valpo probably end up being seven, but the 8-9, even Illinois State and Indiana State will be a tough game. So this was a quality game. Uh I had another 
a certain thing I thought I was going to say, but overall, yeah, there are, we'll be hoping that they can knock off somebody as time goes on. So uh, Brian said on this game, quote, to see the smiles, to see the joy in the locker room afterward, that's what college basketball is about. They made a bunch of winning plays. Everyone stepped up and I'm just incredibly proud of the team End quote. Um, he said those two guys, he's talking about Lance and Marcus reaching a thousand. Those two guys have been with us from day one and taken a lot of responsibility for this program uh, through ups and downs. They've always showed up and represented the Jersey extremely well. Now that's funny because whenever Brian was asked after the game about it, he obviously kind of shrugs it off and he wants it to be as like a team overall and doesn't care about he cares about, you know, obviously individual or individual success, but he said, well, let's go get 2000 then and stuff. So, but he ended up saying how happy for me is Noah. Cause it's funny how he would react that way. Cause I think he's a little upset because he didn't reach a thousand points himself. That was funny after the game. Yeah, it was funny. We, uh, we know he was asked, um, I think it was on during uh, the presser yesterday, I think he was asked about his senior year. We know he got hurt, missed the second half of that season. Um, I think Bucky asked him about his senior night. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, is, it was pretty funny. Uh, I think these two are, with that COVID year, they're capable of going to get 2,000. So, uh, it would be funny right. if, they, if they do that. It be funny what, what, what would he, his reaction be when um, they're asked about the 2,000. Yeah, it's funny. We mentioned Noah because, I mean, with with Marcus's year last year, what he played eight or nine games, I think it was 10 games. So maybe that's over the even the medical redshirt part. I mean, he's done this in barely two seasons to play over a thousand. You know, Lance has had a little over three years to benefit. That's what we talked about. Marcus's numbers could be well, one, it could have obviously impacted how our season was last year. Uh, but what his number could be at, and no, he, he's, he went past even the medical redshirt, right? So it's just still what it is, no matter what, plus COVID year, right? Correct. So that's unfortunate because if he had, if he let's say he had four more years, that'd be incredible. But uh, yeah, I think both of those, obviously, if they stay healthy, they'll reach a big number and they'll get around the, the 10 to 15 mark or even higher on the, on that board. So that is, Great for them, Marcus said, uh, quote, to get both him and Lance to get to 1,000 points in the Valley, same game on the road and get the win. It's a great day, which it was. Even though we'll talk about Ben here, Brian said, keeps a mature player and, oh, and plays with a sense of poise. In the second half, he came up huge for us. And then he said on Troy, Troy made some big plays defensively at, at the end. They were posting us up a lot, and Troy had good physical presence and was able to get a key steal and deflection out of bounds. Even stuff like that. No, we remember, like I said, the offensive board, a hit catch for one of those threes was huge. Uh, Marcus said on Troy, he plays with a lot of confidence for a freshman and is not afraid of the moment. Uh, and then he said, I think every night we can be the toughest team. To win road games and you have to be tough, you have to get boards, turn teams over, and we did that tonight. So... Like I said, Noah, continue the three-game winning streak, which was vital this time of year. What are your final thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's uh, we've been talking about it. Can we continue to build momentum and uh, start uh, playing our best basketball going into St. Louis? And, uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll take the wins, but we've yet to see that full 40-minute effort. And uh, maybe that's coming. Maybe we're saving it for St. Louis. I don't know, but um, – yeah, it was, it's great. It's always great to go on the road, to get a big W, to continue a win streak here. Now we get a senior night at home, um, then going on the road to finish the year at Drake. Um, 
big time W. It's uh, it's it's showing we can ten, we can we can actually finish off uh, one of these comebacks, not just lose by one or two. Um, yeah, it's good to see. It's great to see those two get one thousand. Even Cooper Nee seeing three in one game. That's I think unheard of. And uh, a big shout out to the Dog Pound. They continue to show out. They're another road trip they made. And uh, I know they're. I know they're. I think announced something today where uh, free bus and free tickets going to St. Louis. So uh, I know they'll be wow. the biggest. They'll be the biggest student section in St. Louis too. Uh, so it's big time. Uh, it's good to see them. It's good to see Marcus and Lance get them pizza on the bus. It's big time. It's great to see that the dog pound is back. Still not in full force like it used to be, like we were kids. But um, it's good to see and a bit another big road win. So yeah, big time. Yeah, and we recall, obviously, yeah, back in the day, it was like the whole entire student section. You know, at this point, you know, it can be big with the students, but it's like a own major or minority of certain ones, like a small amount of them that do make this trip. And even Marcus said, and all these players say how it impacts their play when they hear it. And I mean, they had the numbers with the names and everything, which was great. Yeah, the pizzas, the whole thing. We know Brian did that after the, uh, what game was that, Illinois State game? Yes. So, yeah, so it was. It, it is big time. It's needed for everywhere. And you're right. If they, cause we will, we'll talk about that. And we preview the tournament once it gets to that point of uh, who could have the biggest crowds and all that stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be really fun to discuss. So yeah, that's good that they get everything for free there. I wish that was the case when I was in school there, but that's just the, they've earned the right to have that this year. So it is great. And even though, uh, uh, Lance and Marcus's dads weighed in this morning talking about it. And Robert Jones, Lance's dad, said, I know how much Lance appreciates the coaches and professors at SIU, but when it comes to his teammate Marcus, he's blessed to have him. Not taking anything away from the rest of his teammates, he loves them all. Honestly, safe to say they've become two peas in a pod. And then Dan Damask, Marcus's father, said, well said, and I know that appreciation is returned. So and even Marcus mentioned with Lance in, in the doghouse that about uh, – you know, when they first stepped foot on campus, they were friends and they met each other that first day and they became roommates. And obviously they knew they could be a dynamic duo as time goes on and leave their legacies, which they are. So that's cool to see their dads weigh in on that. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other dog pound was big. That was, I think, the only other takeaway I was going to have. So it was a big game. We're ready to move on for the next. But uh, no, before we get around the vow, let's discuss that Marcus in the doghouse that we that was uh, yesterday. And I uh, got a chance to re-list to it and stuff. Let's dive into that. And he was, uh, they, they started off by asking him about, uh, at this point, Noah, this year in February, compared to what his February looked like last year, obviously he was hurt and had to watch everything unfold and the struggles of the team. Uh, and obviously winning games and building momentum for the team is what he wants most. And it is a far cry from where he was last year. Yeah, it definitely is. And, uh, we know uh, personally, I've never been through an injury and had to miss games like that, but uh, mentally um, how tough you have to be to be able to um, go into every game to watch, knowing your teammates are going to go battle for you and uh, knowing we struggled last year. And yeah, it's uh, um, definitely we could have, if we had him it'd been different last year, but yeah, seeing, seeing the difference and he's coming in through this year, um, it's definitely definitely a far cry from what he had last year. Yeah, I think I think it was motivating. I'm sure it is to him knowing that 
obviously his freshman year, he was in the Arch Madness. He didn't get the partake. I think that's hopefully going to flip the switch for him. And we recall that injury was a lower body. It was a big deal. Uh, stress fractures are not, you know, something to joke around with. And we are not joke, but we talk about, you know, kind of the, the way he's changed his game to be more inside. I don't know how much, and that's a lot of impact on that lower body and that injury, but he's, he's fared up pretty well, obviously, as time goes on here. Uh, we'll fly through some of these, but we'll discuss them. But he said it's good. They asked him about how it feels to separate from the others and have that breathing room and pretty much cement the sixth seed. We know we could go a little higher if chaos ensues, but we're going to stick at the sixth seed. And uh, it's, he said it's good, obviously, because you want to avoid Thursday pretty much all the time. And he said scoring in the 20s, and they asked him about scoring in his 20s a lot the last two games. That, have, that hasn't happened since the early January. But he said it was just good seeing the ball go in. You know, we do know he struggled lately. You know, there's been talks off and on about, uh, you know, even his placement in awards and everything as well and kind of him struggling. But uh, we know the ball is always in his hands, and that could be an argument helping for him, obviously, outside of if he didn't do this the last couple of games. Is everything's run through him. He leads us in every category. He's deserving for one of those. But, no, he said it's good to see the ball go in, and obviously we're glad that it is too at this point of the season. Yeah, it's uh, he's been in a rough patch, and he's starting to starting to hit some shots that, like you said, he's used to making. And uh, it's uh, yeah, like you said, those awards. I think, uh, especially, I think Valley voters are uh, will recognize this. I'm I, I I would say this that most Valley voters probably I don't know exactly who has a vote. But uh, some of them don't pay attention to every team. They may probably just stick with their team. But um, they know the name Marcus Damask. So he probably will end up on a team. I think he's um, – if he finishes off the season strong, um, he, he, he'll deserve to be on that second or third team because we know the first team's pretty much set. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, – you'll see probably even the, the Braden Norris of the world. He's not having a great season, but – He's on the lead league team. He'll probably end up on that third team somehow. We'll get into our picks, uh, I believe, uh, on the next episode. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, we th- we thought maybe he it could. I think uh, on Arch the March, I think for one of the guys they revealed their teams, and I think it came down to Lance Jones or Mark Damask, and I think he picked Lance Jones. So um, for a while there, it was, it was that close of him maybe even making a team. Yeah, you're right. And they're fluctuating on either or for some of those. Yeah, you're right. And because of his name recognition and if he does play really well and he's on the 60 team uh, and he leaves us in every category, I think that would warrant it regardless. Even you're right. We will have our picks on the next episode. We kind of sneak peek uh, and how difficult it is to have a lot of these. We will have those. And even I had Lance on one of my teams or I had both of them on my teams. I had Lance higher. You can flip a script. And it's just cool seeing how they are friends reaching a thousand points together, getting on these teams together. They're just literally coinciding each other's careers. And it's so fun to see. So we will jump into those. Uh, next thing Noah, he said, obviously we, they went back to the Bradley game and he said when they were down 11, nothing, didn't you say before or saw something that it seemed like Bradley players, people were saying, and maybe even Wardle said, or somebody said that they kind of acted like they won the Valley tournament. Like they were kind of immature acting whenever it was 11, nothing in that game. Yeah, I believe it was uh, on the. I was listening to March the Arch, and they were had a they had a, a guest on. It was a Bradley fan. He was, talked about. I think Wardle said 
yeah, they acting like they won March Madness when they're up eleven to nothing. Just shows the little bit of immatureness of that team, and uh, um, it cost them the cost them in the end. Yeah, I know they definitely their defense just fluctuated. And Brian and Marcus said that Brian told the team to wake up, and how they just talked about trusting his process and trusting him more and trusting his teammates that it kind of was that flip of the switch and they was able to have that rainbow effect after that, he said. And obviously that sparked a huge run in the W that previous game. He talked about how you know, how Cash is becoming maybe that third fiddle and his ability to stretch defenses out. And we mentioned his clutch shooting from free throw line in three. Uh, but he also mentioned, you know, that we've said, obviously if he's, he's a great set shooter, but if he's able to drive it, he gets it stolen from him a lot because of his thin frame. But even Marcus knows, you know, when he gets that big first step with his length and uh, uh, whatever the word is, uh, strides, that he's able to drive past him and make a lot of impacts in games and how vital that is. Because he said that also cash opens it up for everyone else as well. Yeah, it's uh, if cash can uh, create a little bit of space and get to the lane and uh, maybe hit a pull up jumper or uh get into the lane and finish a little bit more uh that was open up things for everybody else and uh yeah it's cash is he talks about cash using that stride um yeah we know he's struggling a little bit with it but um maybe down the stretch here he can improve on that kind of stuff but uh yeah well it's funny we mentioned uh we we always joke about uh how in the off season he added 25 pounds of muscle which he just gets thrown off instantly. We joke about that. Uh, seems like uh, maybe the, uh, we'd like to see a before and after picture of that. Yeah, you're right. And uh, maybe he is. Maybe that just shows how thin he was coming in, which is insane to think about. But And he is cut. We've talked about how cut he is and everything. So he's he's definitely been vital. I can't wait to watch him get recognized tomorrow for the impact that he's had this season that's helped this team so much, I'm sure, on and off the court because he's such a good guy as well. But we'll jump into through more of these. He did mention Troy's confidence in taking that shot was huge and that how Troy has the confidence as a player. Uh, and he was asked about being an old team potentially next year. I know he did, didn't want to look ahead, but how uh, he even said after his freshman, sophomore years, him and Lance, I guess for Trent's sake, that Brian would always tell them that you're not freshmen anymore, you're not sophomores anymore. And he says that – and even Marcus says that he's they have a lot of experience compared to what other Valley teams do to where he says it's really not an advantage for the other teams around the Valley. And definitely going in next year, it'll, it'll help this team, I think, barring other uh, additions to the team and stuff. But he also talked about Dalton starting, and we know the impact that that's made. And he's talking about how he's a true point guard. And it seems like that's everything because he, he's assisting. We know he had six assists this past game and everything. Uh uh, that's it is he's been a true point guard in all those facets Marcus agree that's something we've been talking about for a while and they talk about the team's defense when he was asked about it how they've been all season and how the offense is kind of flipping that switch and coming along he said that everyone's trusting everybody more at this point and just know and knocking down more shots with the confidence we know that confidence is key with some of our shooters and then over the shot we've talked about his fadeaway he was asked about his, or his floater recently, but he asked about the fadeaway. That is, does seem to be his patented shot. He said he's been working on it this offseason. I couldn't tell who he said he's been. I thought he said Riley, but it's, I don't think he said that since he's our trainer. Did you hear who he said he's been working on that shot with this offseason? Uh, I know. I think, uh, I, think he was talk, I think he was talking. I think he talked with Brian. I think he said Brian, but uh, 
about having a shot that it can go to um, getting off cleanly. And he's been working on that and it's definitely worked out for him. We know uh, it worked at Evansville for a game winner. And uh, it's, if, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those shots. I think Mike Murphy was saying it, that uh, it's one of those shots that there's nothing the defense can do. It's just, it's unstoppable. Yeah. And he, he does practice those moments and situations for that kind of Evansville shot, uh, which is great. And then he was asked about uh, his assisting. It says it obviously helps when playing with good players and shooters, he said, and how he much he's enjoyed. He's always enjoyed. He said throughout his whole basketball career, getting others involved. He said, there's nothing like getting it to a guy for a dunk or a layup or a three. He said, there's nothing like it. And we can attest to that being former players. It is nice to distribute. Uh and then, no, this is something interesting he says, which obviously seems the case. We've talked before how people say that people know other teams in the Valley so well because, obviously, if you're an impact player, you are for a long time. And Marcus said that uh, he knows every Valley player really well, and he says he would know their strengths and weaknesses, which we agree. And he preached again how the coaches scout and prepare the guys really well, and they were the guys that were interviewing him were talking about if he could have flashcards and ask about guy, he just said Gage Prim and Noah Carter that he could know it. It'd be interesting to have to know if we were talking to him and pointing out certain guys, we'd say Manette from Missouri State or other examples, even not the true star players that he'd be able to tell us, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. He, he's, uh, this is, uh, this, this league is, um, so well scouted. And, uh, I think, uh, when Rodney Watson was talking about, uh, this early in the year in an interview that it kind of hurts the league, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I think, I think it's almost sometimes that, uh, some of these coaches may know their opponent more than they know their team at some point in the season, if you have a newer team. Um, so it's, it's crazy. We'll see the, see the way, um, this league is scouted. I know when cash was asked about it in one of his interviews, he said, it's, it's just, it's the same sport, uh, um, but uh, I think this league is the most scouted probably across the country, and they're so well-prepared. And, yeah, he could tell you the strength and weaknesses um, from anybody in the conference, I'd say, um, especially knowing this staff, uh, the details Brian and his staff does. Um, they got them prepared for anybody. And that's, I think, we've talked about how great the Valley is overall, and it's the best mid-major. It's one of the best conferences in America, and I think that's why it's great. That's why you see all these close games. That's why you see all these great Arch Madness games, and that's why that's what makes us love the Valley so much. And I bet, I guarantee Loyola is sad about leaving to an extent. You know, when you win so much, you want to move on to the next thing, and that's how teams in the Valley have been. But they are going to miss these competitions. It's going to be harder in the A-10, as they would know, and – getting Belmont Murray state to come in here and just improve on that great games. And over time, we'll be able to know their players just like they will ours. It's a great, it's a great uh, thing being in the Valley. I mean, it's like I said, it's one of the best in the country. So uh, talked about the dog pound and one cave at Lance already, but no, this one thing we've talked about, Will Keller, we know he was on with Mike a couple of weeks back and he asked, or was asked about Will Keller's impact on the game and how he's really good in the scout team. And he's really got no lapses in practice. And you know Will kind of. We know he's from Marion. Didn't go to the same school. He went to Agape Christian Academy. Uh, went to Johnny and played basketball as well. No, and that's not surprising to see that he is that kind of leader for the freshmen and being that good on the scout team. Yeah, it's uh, he he. I say he's one. I think Marcus mentioned that um, he would probably know these uh, those those cards better than Marcus would. And uh, yeah, you. 
in practice, you ask him to run a play from one of these teams and um, he knows it. And uh, it's, he's that well-prepared. He's that way in the classroom too. He's very smart, intelligent guy. Um, He's been a leader on this team. It's great to see um, watching him from uh, playing big minutes at John A on a top team in the country at the Juco level um, to now he has, he uh, makes his way over to SIU. Uh, even, even the rough patch he went through with his injury, having surgery. Uh, it's crazy to see how he's come and it's, he's been a big impact since Brian got here. Brian talked about it a little bit too. Uh, it's great to see the impact he's had on this team to improve uh, every day. Yeah, I think him helping the freshmen out and that as well makes it easier for the guys who do play. And the fact that Will knows everything is, is great. He is a huge impact. We're going to miss him. Looking forward to watching him get recognized tomorrow as well. Um, so, no, that's everything with Marcus. It was a really good interview. They always do a good job with those guys. Marcus had some good information for this stretch here. And then, Noah, we said Marcus Belcher was on and on with Mike. We know he's on Illinois State staff. Great player in the early 2000s. Some little things from that, right? He said – uh, the impact of Dan Moeller getting fired and having to adjust with that. He kind of knew it was coming, and he said that uh, probably could have been better after the season's kind of what he alluded to, and not at this moment. We know uh, Brian Jones, he was really good in the presser yesterday, and uh, obviously having a guy like Marcus on his staff is really good. We know Tony Wills is there as well, but it's tough on him, but it, he sounds pretty good and knows what he's doing, right? Yeah, he, he definitely he definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, he's uh, yes, I, I agree with him. It, it would have been a lot better um, down the stretch here. Um, like I said, when uh, we got the news about Dan um, getting let go during the season, that I thought um, maybe maybe they should have agreed to maybe a Barry Hinton situation where hey, if you don't if you don't win the tournament, if you don't get in the NCAA. Um, you're you're gonna step down or something instead of firing a mid mid season like this, and uh, making him make that difficult decision. But uh, yeah, Mike asked him, I believe, about his future. He, I know he loves the game of basketball, and he knows he's gonna be in that. But uh, he has a lot of respect for the valley, obviously, and uh, he hopes he's in it. I believe he said. Yeah, and he talked about how good of a university Illinois State is, and I think that does take a hit. Doing that. No one wants to see that happen, especially with a key alumni. You just want to wait, and then you part ways. You never want to do that this season, but they did what they did. Um, he was also – because obviously he's a big recruiter on that staff, uh, and he said obviously going out and recruiting is huge. Uh, he mentioned Cy Chapman's impact going down, hurt the team for sure, because he said they've been struggling in the paint a lot since then. Uh and then Noah, he, he had, Mike asked him about what he thinks his impact in his career had been, had been obviously, and what it's looked at, you know, with how key a part he was at that team with guys like Kent Williams and Jermaine and a young Darren Brooks and all these guys, uh, you know, that he, he feels like he had a really good career. He was a point guard and Bruce Weber trusted him a lot, didn't he? Yeah, he was a, he was a big time player during those stretch of times and, uh, um, It'd we be, were babies. We were in diapers. Yeah, then, but. we don't we don't remember those days. But what we hear about him, um, he was a he was a great player. Uh, being a point guard on that team, um, I think he was assistant here uh, for one year back in 2010. I want to say 
2010, oh, yeah. 2011. So um, he's been around the Valley a little bit, but uh, yeah, he was a great player um, playing under a guy like that. I believe that was the, uh, he was on that sweet 16, 16 squad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, big time, I believe we were co-Valley champs that year. So uh, um, playing on a team like that, uh, he's seen it all. He's seen a lot of success. Yeah, I'm glad that he's on Illinois State staff and we're playing him to get that interview because we haven't heard of his name in a long time. So it's fun for them to rehash. Now I know after all this, I'm sure everyone's saying get to it. Uh, we'll just talk about the Valley. We know teams have been going through two and three days and these rough stretches that we're lucky that we haven't had or don't have at the end of the season we had earlier. Let's jump around those scores that have happened from the get-go a while back. Yeah, since we last talked, it's been a busy Valley Busy Valley season uh, going down the home stretch here, going into the last week. Um, but on Saturday, Illinois State traveled to Bradley. Um, the I-74 rivalry continues. Um, Bradley Braves get a split on that series. 72-64 um, win. Um, Malevi Leon leads the Braves past the Redbirds. Um, I believe a lot of his points came from the line, 12 of 12 from the free throw line, 21 points, nine rebounds from Malevi. That's incredible. I mean, let alone a big man-ish who can shoot like that, that's crazy. And the fact that he's re nine rebounds with those 21 and he had four fouls himself, but that's what you want is your four man and a key contributor to go perfect from the line. I think Marcus might and Cash might be the only ones to do that on our team. That definitely helped them in a game that was close at times in this one, right? So, I mean, that was pivotal. Uh, Mass 17, Terry 18, they got the full contributions from three of their best players. And even Antonio doing everything he can, get 20 for them. Uh, Brian Jones, like we said, he's well-spoken. He did a good job in that game. Mark Freeman getting his average off the bench. Uh, that is a big rivalry, I think, with them. So, that's a big win for Bradley. Uh, then Valpo goes on the road at Evansville. Um, no Thomas Kithy or a late scratch. Um, I believe it was a I believe Paul Orn had the story of where uh, you have to have the the lineup in um, like ten minutes before tip off, and uh, apparently a assistant coach was running um, running right before they they uh, officially because they'd have to start the game with the technical. If they had to change the lineup, it was a pretty funny story. But no Kithier, still no Jawan Newton for Evansville. Uh, this game uh, really wasn't close. 72-56 win for Valpo. Uh, Kobe King, 21 points. Uh, but a great – great. I loved uh, – Kevion Taylor had 16, but um, I'd like to have Sheldon Edwards. 11 points, 11 rebounds off the bench. Yeah, and we've talked about, you know, even picks and who could be maybe that sixth man of the year. We know a lot of guys could, and I think Sheldon – he started here and there, like even a guy like Bledson, I don't think – he might have started when they were going with a short amount of people. But I think Edwards is the favorite for that award. We mentioned Tank. I'm not sure if he's played in enough games to qualify. Some people think he is. That'll be a fun one to discuss. When we get to that point, he would be great to have with his elite both ways, remember. And he's only a sophomore, which is just continues to be crazy. But, yeah, getting the late scratch, that's huge. We know he played recently, so obviously it bothered him because he didn't play in the next game. We'll get to as well. And Noah Rudinger, he got hurt early in this game and was in a boot on the sidelines. And I'm not sure if, you know, we'll get to it if he played in the next game. But those are key, 
two big uh, losses. We know Rudinger's a freshman, but he can make an impact. He had been starting. And obviously Kithier, who if he never got hurt this season, who knows where Valpo is. And he could be obviously on one of the all newcomer teams with his experience and what he's been through. But um, that is crazy. And then Evansville side, you're right. Newton not playing still, but one thing we wanted to say, Licklider said, uh, cause we questioned when we played them, why we we're thinking of any con- like controversy at the end of the game or why he wouldn't want to shake our hands. But that's, he said that they've been doing that all season due to COVID and stuff uh, with not shaking hands and just going and waving. So that puts to rest what we thought was the case with the controversy. Yeah, before I do move on, I did want to mention, got to play seven minutes in this game. Um, Emil Fries Filin, uh, 6'10 big man for Valpo, um, finally getting back That's on the court. Yeah, finally getting back on the court, um, coming off a serious ankle injury. Uh, I believe he missed all of last year, too. So um, good to see him get back on the court. Uh, then going to the biggest. Biggest uh, game of the weekend, pretty much. Uh, Drake going on the road to Loyola. Um, Drake really came out firing, led, the, really controlled this game for most most part. Up twelve at half, ended up winning eighty three seventy six. Big game for Tucker DeVries, the freshman of the year, twenty four points. Unreal, and he's shooting seven of twelve. Yeah, I mean, apparently he had a big bucket or stop or whatever they said at the end of the game, he's elite. And we know Drew was asked about it that, or whenever it was, it might've been before this, obviously was saying he might not, obviously he wouldn't be there. He'd be at one of, we remember Florida and teams were in on him. Uh, he wouldn't be there if Darren wasn't there, but that's just what we're gonna have to deal with for four years. He's an incredible player. And you're right. They were firing. It's weird. Cause Loyola, it seems like they've struggled at home this year. They've had a lot of close, wins that they've came back from they couldn't in this one but they're still have an incredible home record and no i think this contributions are everybody else Penn and sturts sturts again 15 7 and 4 unreal player uh that this could definitely be the flip of the switch for drake moving forward it makes them scary but they didn't have a lot of loyola had terrible outside of schwieger terrible bench production lucas though 27 matches what a season high i'm not sure if it's career high but He's doing all he can, and he's making that push for the player of the year that seems to be wide open maybe at this point. Yeah, still no Marquise Kennedy. Uh, I'm trying to think if he played last night. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, it's hopefully he if he doesn't get healthy for, healthy for them for down the stretch, uh, we'll see what happened. I think Drew said yesterday in the presser that he's it was a game-time decision. Uh, then moving on Sunday, um, we thought it was going to be – we thought, hey, we'd get the loser of this game. Um, we thought Missouri State would go on the road and get a close win, but uh, really really wasn't close for the most part of this game. You and I shot, shot the lights out, um, just bombarded uh, the Bears, a 95-75 home victory for the Panthers. Yeah, and I'll be the one to say I was so confident Missouri State going out because we know you and I had been struggling a lot. They flipped the switch. They are a great home team, and you were saying how you were confident in them for that reason. Uh, but I thought Missouri State, obviously, with their high power and be able to do that, you and I, we know the pack line defense. They just find a way, it seems like, with their small lineup. Prim did just fine. Lukai, 18 points, and Don had 10. But, no, the biggest one was Isaiah, 2 of 7, 0 of 3 from 3, only 6 points. He had 5 rebounds, but – 
And that's where we were going to jump into the fact, Noah, Isaiah Mosley has been struggling to score his high-poweredness over the course of however long. Uh, we know the incredible stretch he had a while back, but Noah, that's when we talked about it. It was almost unanimous uh, that he would win it. Here's his stretch he had at one point. He had a 28 and 25 before, a stretch of 43, 33, 32, 24, 40, 25, and then it dipped down. He's only had a combined 13 points the last two games. Like I said, it's kind of leaving the door open for guys like Lucas and even A.J. Green, especially if you and I gets the one seed with A.J. averaging the same amount as Isaiah at this point, that uh, it's definitely wide open in Lucas being, and we talked about the name recognition. That's where Lucas might win defensive player of the year. And and I remember Sam, one of my bold predictions was Lucas winning player, player of the year and defensive player of the year. I think that's honestly could happen at this point, but when you say Isaiah's obviously quote unquote unanimous at one point, it's definitely up for grabs at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's now, especially them falling, um, down in the standings and can even fall to that four or five matchup. Um, I think if that, if he doesn't finish this week strong, um, that award will not be his anymore because, uh, throughout the season, it's almost been his for, for, I, I think I said multiple times, just go ahead and give it to him. But, um, that's not the case now. It's, it's slowly, uh, the Missouri state, uh, wagon is starting to slow down if they're not careful. Yeah, I know. And that's worrisome for us, potentially at the three, but we know the hit or miss they can be, but, uh, that'll be interesting. We'll get into those kind but even Gage Prim, I mean, he's putting up a better case almost than his teammate right at this moment. He's got combined 56, the last two games to Mosley's 13. So we know Prim's, Prim's a great player. That was a surprising victory. You and I is just hitting the stretch. They want that one seat really bad. Uh, then Bowen, uh, Bowen 17 off the bench. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Big time for Bowen. Uh, I can't stand, I think, uh, March the Arch is this way too. Um, I can't stand that. Uh, if you watch a UNI game, they just talk about he's still a freshman and, and they, and they, I don't know if they're joking about this or being serious. They ask if he could win freshman of the year again and just kind of uh, irritates me. But uh, jumping into last night's games, uh, Evansville goes back on the road to play Valpo again, a big game for Kavion Taylor, uh, 23 points. They get a home win and a back and forth game, 74, 69 to sweep the season series. Um, no Kithier again and no Newton again for Evansville. So both guys still banged up. Um, but, uh, yeah, this could be a, this will, this will be the, I assume, I will assume this will be the seven ten matchup. So, um, It'd be a good a good game on Thursday night next week. Yeah, and Rudinger didn't play either. Uh, I just hope Valpo gets healthy. We talked about them in Indiana State being the teams to knock them off. We'll, we'll be Valpo fans when the tournament hits, uh, when we'll be there for those Thursday games and obviously early Friday games as well. Uh, Evansville had good contributions scoring-wise. They only played seven people, but uh, – Bochamp, 14, Gibbons, 12, Frederick King, 13, and Sicily, people, he's definitely going to make freshman team now, 18 uh, in the starting lineup, so that was a big game. Yeah, he got inserted into the starting lineup, uh, replaced uh, fellow freshman Preston Phillips, who's been good for them also. Uh, so uh, moving on, uh, it was a good game. Uh, Indiana State led at halftime on the road at Drake, where we'll be Saturday uh, as the Salukis go on the road to finish the season there. But 
Big second half by Drake, outscoring Indiana State, 42-22, uh, 74-58 win. Um, contributions were spread out, 14 from DeVries, 15 from Penn. Uh, Sturts had 12-6, and six, cost me in my parlay last night. Had his over in points, rebounds, and assists, didn't get that. Then DJ Wilkins had 15. Uh, then Tank had nine off the bench with Brody, 6-6. Six and six. Um I mean, I wish we had a big off the bench like that. Like Kyler could give us six and six. I'm pretty sure he could if he got 20 minutes a player like Brody does off the bench. Uh, but yeah, Drake continues to uh, stay hot. And we mentioned their ability to maybe win out, and we, they do play us. So we'll see if we can not have that happen. But yeah, Brody was awful at the start of the year, and he's turned it on a little bit, been a big contributor, but for their. Four of their starters were 10 or more. Murphy's kind of hit a patch offensively this year. He's, he's their shot blocker and center at starting. Uh, yeah, Stevens, Calix, Cam, and Cooper did all they could in that game. Cooper did not a good game. We know a lot of these teams are struggling. Though. A lot of these teams are tired, and we'll see that again tomorrow or uh, tomorrow as well. And then that final game. Yeah, then uh, Loyola goes on the road at uh, Illinois State. Um Ugly start for Loyola. I thought uh, they were letting Illinois State play with them. I was, um, I think they were starting to hit a wall, a little bit of a wall with uh, being a little bit tired, but uh, they got two more games this week. We're able to go up 10 at halftime, then, uh, out, um, then finish off the game a 59-50 win uh, for Loyola. Ugox 17-7 and to lead the way. Thomas Welch, 10 points off the bench. Yeah, Welch is a good player for them. I, I feel like he's not used the right way a lot of the time because he's definitely impacting. Schweiger didn't make a field goal or didn't score in 18 minutes. So, yeah, they were they were tired as well. And Illinois State's a tough place to play. Illinois State had everybody that they needed. It was just loyal. It was just too good, too good for them. So what about the game? other games going on tomorrow? Yeah, it's a full pack, full schedule tomorrow night. Um, everybody, everybody in the Valley plays. Um UNI goes on the road at Indiana State. That will be interesting. Um, that is a seeding uh, watch, see if uh, UNI falls in the standings at all. Drake goes on the road at Valpo, which going on the road at Valpo is tricky, but expect Drake to stay hot there. Uh, best game of the night, Bradley goes on the road at Missouri State. Um, that will be interesting. Um, that's uh, seedings as well. Um, could we could probably use a a Bradley win there for us since we don't want to play Missouri yeah. State on Friday? Then Evansville is going to go up to Chicago and probably get their brains beat in. Yeah, I feel bad for Evansville having to make that trip at this point of their season. But yeah, Bradley Missouri State easily best game of the uh, of the slate. We are rooting for Missouri. If we were either rooting for Missouri State to win out and be the two seed or one. But now that they lost, we want them to lose out to get out of that three spot. You're right. But when we mentioned you'd almost rather play – and other people were talking about this too, that you'd rather play Missouri State maybe on Saturday, getting them on short rest and all that stuff compared to getting them right away where they could be deadly. So that will all be a wait and see. Uh, so we'll talk about Illinois State at the very end. No, we'll talk about uh, the standings update real fast. So there's no other news around the Valley, is there? I don't believe. Uh, there is not. I did want to say I saw Drake got the 20 wins for the fourth straight season, which is good for them. 
March on the Arch guys were talking about the worst seasons in Valley history by teams. They were talking about some, but they were talking about a stretch for Drake that was not good. At some point here in the 21st century, sometime there was a stretch, I forgot. So a far cry from where they were, you no, know, and even a couple of years ago when we swept them, uh, they were not good that year until they got all these transfers going for them. But uh, let's dive into those standings now. Yeah, looking at the standings, um, you got a 12 and four at the top of the valley, Northern Iowa and Loyola, both 12 and four. Then uh, Missouri State and Drake are both 11 and five. Then at that five spot, 10 and six, Bradley. So um, it's not out of the question. The top five this week, uh, any of them probably in summer wild scenarios, but could win the Valley uh, or could end up playing in that four or five matchup, any of them. But uh, below the top five, obviously we're eight and eight and probably we are locked in that sixth seed. Then the Thursday night is set at for the four teams, just seedings could change a little bit. Valpo six and 10, Indiana State four and 12, as well as Illinois State in the two and 14, Evansville. Yeah, us and Drake, the biggest uh, winning streak right now, three. And even looking like if we lo- if we lose out and Valpo would win out, we both be eight and 10, but we know the tiebreaker we have with them. So that's where it confirms the fact. And I was thinking, well, Valpo could do that, right? Oh, outside of the fact, they get they host Drake and then they're at Bradley to end their season, which would be great for them, right? That would be great confidence boost going into the Valley where we said we'll be rooting for them. So we we mentioned Matt Hackman. We thought he was done with with probabilities, and then he comes out with so many. He has like four and a two hour stretch or something. But what's the most recent update that he has? Yeah, we thought he was done. He was he tweeted that uh, last Thursday would be the final time he. Um, puts one out, but uh, he had one uh, on Sunday after the um, UNI game. Um, the latest, we are at 100% for that sixth seed, but there is a crazy scenario where we went out, then Bradley loses out. Um, we would tie it for that fifth spot, then it's a possible our net ranking would climb above theirs, which I think they're at like 98, and we're at 132, you said, earlier, I think, something like that. Yeah, I'll but, look at uh, that here in a second, yeah. Uh, so that would be a weird, uh, wild scenario um, to bump us into that 4-5 matchup. But uh, other than that, Evansville locked in that 10 seed. Then the uh, Loyola has the highest chance of that one, 62%. Then uh, who we would face is uh, highest percentage right now, 34% for that three seed would be the Drake Bulldogs. So a team we would finish off the season season with Saturday, uh, you would get on Friday night again. Yeah, and we kind of would like to avoid that as well. So there's really no good case scenario barring like you and I somehow fall into the three or something. We're going to get one of Missouri State Loyola – but there's a scenario where Loyola could end up as a four seed or some some crazy stuff to still iron out. And even thinking about what Bradley loses, obviously it matters us beating winning at Drake, which would be enormously tough. But Bradley gets, we know Missouri State and they face Valpo. So a lot of those stuff's still uh, possible. So we will iron those out. You mentioned the net. Yes, I'll go through some teams that are uh, familiar with us and ones that you know we need to know per se. We know Murray's having a great year out of all of the teams that we are you know in accordance with of some for lack of a better term. They are 26th in the net, 
which is incredible. What are they, 21st ranked in the country or higher maybe at this point? Loyola's got 37 net. Uh, let's see here. I uh, think Belmont, 55. SLU even, we just like talking about SLU. They've kind of scuffled a little bit. They're 59. Missouri State at 66. Uh, if I scroll some more here to find some. Uh, Bradley, yeah, Bradley at 96. UNI at 105. Uh, we're in here somewhere now. Uh, 138, yeah. So that's where we stand. And obviously, other Valley teams behind us. You're right. If we went out and get a – Bradley would – it's not that we would jump into the 100. we go to like 110 or so, and Bradley would fall even a little bit past that some more. So that is interesting. We'll keep an eye out for all those different scenarios, like we said. So mentioned all these other stuff. No, a quick recruiting thing. I don't know if you have anything on Kate. I just remember when we see things on our feed – uh, Cole Farrell, if that rings a bell, I don't follow him. I'm sure you know who he is. He committed, Adam Missouri committed to Portland State and other guys that we follow that I assume were in on, whether that was just an interest or not. That's one that came to mind. Do you have anything else on that? Uh, anything? Yeah, he was just one of those guys we reached out to, no official offer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have not seen a Kate update. Um, I haven't seen that guy from down there post in a while um about uh Cade's team but uh they're starting up the big games now yeah they around. should they should be postseason ball starts this week uh started this week for up here in illinois so uh we should um i'll see if i can find something for our next uh podcast see if they have a bracket out or something um not sure how they do it down there in Texas, but um, we'll have some update. And otherwise, um, nothing, nothing really going on. Um, we know guys are. I know Javon Maman said uh, he's focused on twenty twenty three really, but I know Brendan said he's looking at high school guys that may be a little overlooked. Um, but uh, I think Maman said it the best uh, that. The Valley is going to be really hitting that portal since everybody's losing a lot of guys. And I think um, that's probably our best what, best route as well, unless um, we can land Brian Moore, who we're in on from Majuco. Yeah, and at the end of the season, we'll talk about guys that we want the most, you know, when it comes down to their decision. He, he very well could be number one. Uh, and even, yeah, transfer portal, you're right. And I'm thinking, you know, the – whatever the word I'm looking for is uh, so many great players leave in the Valley and we could cover those obviously at the end as well. Some of them still have the eligibility, but some don't some key players that kind of uh, the fresh start for a lot of these teams, barring obviously good transfers, which some of these will still get, but the impact all these guys have had over their career in the Valley could shake a lot of things up. Even with Belmont and Murray coming in could shake things up as well. So it could be a whole new fresh slate of, games and players for next season but yeah we definitely need to be involved with that portal just as big as everybody else for those final couple spots so now Noah let's finish off this first ever zoom uh we recorded ourselves on zoom this one because we recalled on the first one when we do it you know with each other with you know equipment that it's tough to uh well I'm just frustrated the fact that I don't know if anyone is and we apologize or I apologize for not being able to maybe hear me more. I mean, I listen to it all the time and sometimes I can barely hear it because of my work, but 
it's I'm kind of it's like I'm not even using the microphone. So I was tired of doing that. So we knew everyone else can do it this way. And we thought we would. So hopefully it sounds good uh, for we want to end it talking about Noah, the, the part two of the Redbirds. We know the great game that was when we played them not too long ago. And they're scuffling with a new coach and everything. Four-game losing streak. Let's get into it. Yeah, we look for that season sweep. It will be season, uh, senior night. So um, it's a special night. Uh, ex- um, bearing any, like, injuries from keeping Anthony, I assume he will be uh, starting um, unless he's unable to go or something like that. But assume he will be in the lineup alongside Cash and uh, Marcus Lance and I would say Dalton. So uh, not sure exactly what they'll do with the lineup. Uh, probably Dalton will slide to the bench, I would say, back to his bench role for one night. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, going for the remind everybody what happened in that road game at Illinois State. Um, that kind of got us going in the right direction, a 75-69 win. Um, Big-time game from Lance Jones, 31 points, 18 from Marcus, 12 from uh, Cash, eight points for Kyler off the bench. Uh, we held Antonio Reeves, leading scorer in the Valley, in check with eight points. Um, so that's a key guy to watch out for, see if we can still keep him in check. Uh, McChesney is a guy to watch out for as well. And uh, Ryan Schmidt had some good success. They're big men off the bench. Um, so it'll be interesting. I know with the new coach, um, they've had some different rotations here. Uh, more recently, uh, I think their last game, uh, they went with Ryan Schmidt over McChesney in the starting lineup. So um, it'll be interesting to see where their interim goes. He's had – a lot of success coaching. He spent um, over 10 years coaching North Dakota uh, before he came to Illinois State staff. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think still know Amon Washington for them. He's been out for a while. Uh, so the answer, the questions are, uh, can, I think this is a game we need to handle with 10 points or more win at home. Uh, just got to keep their shooters, their streaky shooters in check. Yeah, and that's exactly how we beat them in that close game. Uh, we limit when they didn't shoot the ball very well. Very well could have changed the total impact of that game. But we know they're good. We know McChesney made a made a fact, and Schmidt had a really good game. That we know they started them together recently, and who knows if they'll do that because they know obviously our size. We'll start JD, but if time goes on and we go small, they could take advantage of it. It's a team that we know could beat a lot of teams in this in this league and like they could easily come into Banterra tomorrow and beat us with their style of play and you're right and we checked Antonio Reeves big time in that game yeah with six points and uh he's been playing pretty well lately so if we can be if us at home being able to stymie him in that regard make him pass I think he had a good assist game when we played him but we know how tough it is to win there so that's why we need to take advantage of here at home, all those guys, I mean, we know Lewis's impact on defense and all these guys can can score at a really high clip. We talked about how Marcus Belcher. It'd be interesting to see how side Chapman could have impacted their season, though. Arguably, it couldn't have been the firing of Dan Muller. That's the kind of impact side Chapman could have had and very well could have beat us. And they could beat us here and they could be maybe around. We know 
Because, no, I think – didn't we play them? They were creeping up. Them and Valpo were really close to us at that moment. And very well, if they would have beat us that game, and I think they've played Valpo since then, maybe not, but they're close games there. They could have easily been in this 60 where we're at right now. So their seasons took a turn for the worse with their injuries, that big one there. Um, like I said, they could very well easily come in and beat us tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have the um, – athleticism that can give us fits at times. Um, the Kendall Lewis length on Marcus, we know um, he sometimes struggle with length and bigger, bigger guys on him. So um, yeah, it's uh, we know Lance had some success against them. So it'll be interesting um, what matchup they do there, but uh, yeah, they can definitely come in here. Um, they have one of the, they have a, one of the better players and best scorers in the Valley. And uh, they got guys off the bench that can score it with a good clip too. So, um, but yeah, you mentioned Cy Chapman injury. Uh, that was during a weekend where they played a Friday, Sunday against Evansville. They blew Evansville out on Friday, um, 94, 56. And they go on the road, to Evansville um, in the second half. That's when Cy goes down. They only lose by three. And it's uh, their season goes south from there um, since that Friday night victory. They only have one. So, um, it, yeah, it, it was definitely inside would have helped them, impacted them a lot better. Um, they probably win a couple games. Um, probably could have beat us with an inside help um, up there. But, yeah, it's uh, interesting to see. Um, we know what help, what worked against them last time up there. So hopefully we can keep their scores in check, especially Antonio Reeves. Uh, uh, I'll accept if he, he has a great night and beats us, but uh, um, if we if we allow other guys to beat us, that's what will take me off more. Yeah, I know. And even I've been of a belief as well that, you know, you live with if he beats you, obviously, and then you try to make the other guys beat you. And it depends who you're playing specifically, but we know they have shooters on this team that if you allow, it's not that you would allow them, but you just be a lot tougher on Antonio. I'd always be where I'd be danged if uh, the best player beat me when it kind of, you'd be seeing it coming all along and, or compared to, you know, having, I'd be danged if the other guys beat you compared to living with their best player. It can go with which or whichever way. And I'm for whichever way. I agree in that. Uh, but yeah, I think didn't say, I think he just had his surgery recently. I saw. So imagine having to figure out what your surgery is going to be and having to wait weeks and weeks before it, after you get injured, I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine what that's like, but yeah, just contributions again. We mentioned Kyler. Hopefully he has a decent game with their size because he played well against them last time. He gave McChesney fits. So hopefully we see a lot more of our team involved in this one here at the stretch. And again, we would like to win because we know somehow we're 15 and 13. It didn't seem like that was the case. Obviously 500 in the Valley. We'd like to get that to where we'd finish above 500 on the season. So it's a big game, obviously. And we talked about the 1,000 guys recently. We mentioned Cash was at 67 uh, before last game, and he's getting to the point where he's getting to a mountain. He's only 51 away from his 1,000, whether he goes off the next two and then does something in Arch Madness, he'll get very close to his 1,000. So it will be fun honoring those guys. Uh, quickly, some things on them. Brian was asked, and we'll get to some here, Noah, because we've been wondering, obviously, what's going on with Anthony Wright and uh, why he hasn't been playing a whole lot, and when he does, it's not a lot. 
he's been struggling at times, but really good at times. And we were questioning if it's his injury or something. We know he had COVID. We know if that was lingering. We know that's happened with a lot of other players around the Valley. But uh, quickly, Brian had a quote. He was great for us last year. He's battled a lot of injuries since last summer and fall, but he's been an awesome teammate. He's going to leave here with his MBA and has a bright future ahead of him, which we know that's, that's the case. Uh, but no, I think that would answer our question somewhat of why he hasn't been playing when we think we need him as injuries. Yeah, definitely think um, that's probably um, what's held him out, lingering injuries that that ankle he hasn't been able to get. Then he had that, I believe he's one of the guys that had COVID and we have a little COVID outbreak. And uh, uh, I thought at time, maybe it's a Austin five situation where he had a bat, he's had it bad and he's not recovered from it, but um, obviously that can be part of it. But uh, yeah, it's the the ankle injury that's um, held him back um, that we've seen so great. We had a great year. He had a great year last year, uh, finished the season strong where um, if we had that Anthony that we got, we got to see that we thought going into the year, he'd be big for us off the bench. Um, Wonder where this team could be at. Yeah, and I know, and I think right right away when he says he was great for us last year, begs it. And we remember when we when we landed him, DePaul was in on him. Obviously, the hometown team, he wouldn't have played there, even though he was good last year. It's interesting, but we were thankful to have him, and we're thankful that he's been here and provided that leadership, even in a a non-factored somewhat season. Hopefully, he can maybe he can make an impact as time goes on. I look forward to seeing him. We we've talked about Cash. Brian said. He's made a big impact on our program in the short time he's been here. He's been a great teammate as well at Jim Rat. He's really helped us a lot this season. And we know that. Not surprised with the Jim Rat thing. That's what's equated to being on the court and his success. And we've, we can go on and on about Ben, and we will. We'll recognize him and Anthony and others at the end of the season. Again, we'll make tweets about him even. But the impact Ben has made, especially off the court, you know, also his he, he is poised. He is mature. And that's what this team has needed. We mentioned Will, Noah. Brian said, Will's a walk-on here who's been with me from day one, as you said earlier. Quote, and he's had everything I could ask for for someone who's a part of this program and represents it extremely well in the classroom, yeah, in the community and on the court. Great classroom guy. We know that's a big impact for how our GPA has uh, looked this season. And then, no, another one here, because we were, along with Anthony, we were talking about the impact of Sakud and Ballet. We kind of talked about him before when this thing happened. feels like we've been on it for two hours, so we apologize to people, but Saku, no, we know he's been through a lot, as we said, and he's been with the team. We know he's probably practiced with him. We knew a long time ago he took the season off and it begged the question to see, obviously, he's probably still on scholarship. Just in general, what that whole meant, I'll let you explain that again. But uh, we were wondering that because we were saying, you know, especially if he's getting honored tomorrow, it might seem like his time here might be done. Hopefully he gets the chance to go with his family and he's gotten his good with school here and his degree and everything. But dive in more about with the, like we said, with the scholarship and everything with Saku that we've mentioned. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's interesting to see what, what he decides to do because everybody thought he was retiring and he came out on Twitter himself and corrected everybody said he's just taking a year off. So I wonder if there's uh, going to be opportunities that he's going to have an opportunity elsewhere, or he's just going to move on from the game of basketball and take his degree and go work. But yeah, scholarship, scholarship thing, um, I think I would assume he would um, – we would probably fix it, especially with the COVID, with Anthony 
and uh, Cash's scholarships uh, not going against our total. I would expect uh, um, Secu to probably still be on scholarship. I don't think we, um, unless there's another way of doing it, I don't think he would just, I don't think he'd be here if he wasn't on scholarship. I'm not sure exactly what happens, but uh, with those two not counting against the total, I, I would assume he was still on scholarship. Yeah, and you're and he he's he's been here for so long. I mean, even what second to last Barry season, we we recall that uh, Amadou Fall, Dave Swadora, and Sam Schaefer. That was maybe Saku's first year, right? And that was before the last season, correct? So that was by eighteen nineteen season around. Has he been here that long? Yeah, he's been here that long. Which, like we said, he, he's had an impact. We remember two years ago, we started the year 100% from the field. We know we were just calling that Murray State game, him and Stevon. It's just crazy how the team has – just think about Stevon. But Saku has, like we said, he hasn't been able to travel, go see his family. He's been here. He's been stuck here. We respect the heck out of him for sticking with it, taking the year off and helping impact – the guys on the current team, we said, like we said, he's on the bench, but he might be in practice. And we're looking forward to seeing him recognized for all everything he's been through tomorrow night. Brian said, quote, he's obviously had a tough career in terms of injuries, but has been part of this program and just makes you better when he's around. That's very well the case. So looking forward to honoring all those guys tomorrow. You're right with the lineup thing. We'll, we'll see Lance, Marcus, Cash, Anthony, and Will, barring if Anthony's not you know hurt enough to not play we're not thinking that's the case but we know will will be in there and show something because we've said that we could probably use him at times because you're right he did play great competition in john a uh so he could probably make an impact but it'll be cool to see that's probably what the lineup will be you know so final thoughts on this game yeah it's a big opportunity obviously um it's gonna be great honoring those guys and stuff like that um, what they've meant to this program, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's a big opportunity to stay and continue to play our best basketball going into March, like Ryan has preached. And like we keep saying here, um, continue a winning streak going on the road to finish the season against a, a top tier team in Drake. So uh, yeah, it's big. Um, I don't, I would expect a big crowd, but I think the weather is supposed to be spotty. I think it could be in a winter storm, winter storm warning or something from tomorrow night till uh, through Thursday. Not sure exactly. So um, I would I would expect a big crowd senior night. Um, expect to be the dog pound to be rocking. Um, it's, it's a it's a rivalry game, so that's even sweeter. Um, going for a season sweep against the Redbirds. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is our biggest crowd with senior senior night involved in everything and how the team is playing well. No matter who it's against, even though we know there's probably Illinois State fans or we could see some of their fans. Uh, who knows? We know it's not that far away, and there's a little bit. We know we have a little bit of a rivalry with them in both sports, basketball and football, so it's always fun playing them. I think we could see the biggest crowd with senior night. They said they'll acknowledge all the – have a short ceremony for the guys around 643. Uh, so yeah, to continue this momentum because we talked about they could obviously beat us, and we're and we're looking forward to having a, a fun game. Um, but we talked about if we went three and one in the stretch, and we talked about potentially beating Bradley and maybe losing the Drake, that'd be perfect. We talked about we want to stay about five hundred on overall. 
going to the tournament, so it is huge. So I don't want to leave without asking about picks. I don't know if you have a spread or anything, and we'll get to uh, dogs of the game as well. Um, I believe – I think we have a spread. I think I've seen it earlier. I do know. I don't have it. I'll say maybe around five or six. Uh, I think I've seen a spread earlier. No, all the other games but ours have a spread for tomorrow night. So, um, but I'd say you're correct. I'd say we'd be, I'd say five and a half. Uh, I'll take the dogs minus whatever it is, as long as it's not too. Then I'd say uh, I'll take the over as well, whatever it is. Yeah, I know that five and a half is not too bad. I almost want to take plus. I think Illinois State will play is pretty tough, and they'll shoot a lot better than they did in the last game, but I'll take the minus as well, because we do need that other statement kind of win to finally to sweep all of the bottom feeding, or the teams below us all season, which which is kind of incredible. And just like I said, go and have that big game against Drake. Uh, I'll take that as well. And I was going to mention, I hope Kyler bounces back in this one. We mentioned a good game he had last time. I'll go with Kyler. Quick dog of the game for you. Um, I think Steven's got to break out at some point. He's got to start hitting some shots. I really hope so. And they're a decent defensive team, too. Hopefully he can get open. Uh, we know his confidence is where it's at. So hopefully those guys do break out. We need all the contributions at this moment to help moving forward on this stretch going into St. Louis. Like we said, this was on Zoom for the first time. It was fun. Sorry if it was too long for everybody. Looking forward to doing it like this. Uh, a lot the rest of the way so you can hear us a lot better than what it's been so like we said 643 to see the guys recognize tomorrow seven o'clock game senior night last game at Bantero the season it's been a good home stretch of games this year with the crowds have been pretty good like we said been leading the valley in attendance and everything take a lot of pride in that we're looking forward to having people in St. Louis when we get to that point looking forward to tomorrow night so for Nick Malone no alerts This is the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Until next time, go Dogs.